Dun 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 dun. I can't sing. Let's just go jump in. Yeah, I'm a nerd, a money nerd, and a Star Wars nerd. Judge away, it's all good. Sadly, I'm kind of used to it. But today is Star Wars Day, one of the best days of the year. May the fourth be with you. Now, I'm not going to torture almost all of you on Star Wars trivia and getting really nerdy, but there are some fun lessons to be learned from Star Wars, and I'm going to break down a few of my favorite quotes and scenes from the movies and show you the ways of the Force, or just show you the way that Star Wars can teach us a bit about personal finance. All right, let's jump in. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, Ryan Inman. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I know there's lots of things you are doing. Your mind is occupied in a thousand different ways. You're probably out there working really hard on the front lines, and I appreciate every single one of you for just being there for all of us. And hopefully you guys liked those curbside consults that we were doing for the whole month of April. And now we are in May, and it is Star Wars Day. So while this episode isn't sadly sponsored by Star Wars, it is sponsored by Pattern. And Pattern simplifies the disability insurance process for busy doctors so they can feel confident that they have the right policy and that their income is protected. Getting coverage while you're in training could save you thousands or even tens of thousands over your career. So don't miss out on training program discounts for residents and fellows. Be confident that you have the right policy at the best price. And you can request your free quote by going to financialresidency.com slash pattern. Or you can check out the episode I just put out last Monday where I interviewed the founder of Pattern, Matt Wiggins, on how to buy disability insurance during a pandemic. All right. So what can Star Wars actually teach us about personal finance? Well, it's almost like what can Yoda teach us about personal finance? Because several of the quotes that I love and a couple that I was researching on really came from Yoda himself, the wisest Jedi of them all. But when I was thinking about this show, I wanted to start it off with something around like the Jedi mind trick, because it's one of my favorite kind of actions in Star Wars. And I always, when I think about Jedi mind tricks, I think about the scene where Obi-Wan's doing his mind trick on one of the stormtroopers when they get stopped and are questioned about their droids. These aren't the droids you're looking for. These aren't the droids we're looking for. He can go about his business. You can go about your business. Move along. Move along. Move along. That's immediately what comes to mind when I'm thinking of a Jedi mind trick, right? So how could this relate to our finances? Well, sometimes we might have to trick our minds into doing something we previously thought wasn't possible or removing that mental roadblock that we might have just made up. And some of you might be thinking immediately that you know where I'm going with this, and that's the dreaded B word or or budgeting. Most of us hate it. We don't want to do it. We don't think we can actually do it. But you know what? If you just actually tracked what you were doing without making any changes at all, over time, your spending would actually improve. And seriously, I'm not joking on this. If you just know that you're tracking this stuff, at some point, you will 
have to see this, right? You know that like I'm going to make this purchase. And when I go to consolidate or you know, reconcile my YNAB or my Mint or my Tiller, whatever software you're using, even Excel or Google Sheet, you know that you're going to have to organize it and put it in its place. And the more you think about your finances, the more that it's kind of top of mind, the more in touch you are with it, the higher probability that you will start making better decisions with your money. And technically, this is called the the observer effect or officially the Hawthorne effect, where you will just modify an aspect of your behavior in response to just being aware that it's being observed. And it's a fascinating effect. And it's something that to me is like a Jedi mind trick, right? And so sometimes I'm thinking, you know, these are not the dollars you're looking for. Move along, move along. All right, I'm a nerd. You're going to see it more and more. Now, the next one I'm kind of thinking on with Star Wars is learning the value of a dollar or a galactic credit in Star Wars. But it's not just learning the value, but appreciating what you can spend that money on. And when I'm thinking of money in Star Wars and everything, I just always think of the Millennium Falcon and how Han just absolutely loves that ship. What a piece of junk. And then you've got Luke that says, what a piece of junk, right? Many characters do. Everyone says the thing's a piece of junk. But you know what? He doesn't just go and trade it up because people are clowning on him or he gets a few scratches or quite a few scratches or just the fact that it doesn't excite him anymore, right? He's putting in the time in the first several movies. You actually see him and Chewie working on it a ton, right? There's a ton of time that they're working on. And I'm not saying you need to go off and work on your car and change its oil and all that crap because, heck, I can barely use a hammer. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying spend money where it makes you happiest and getting a new ship wouldn't have made him happier, right? Realize that while you're out earning money, you and only you, or well, I guess your significant other too, have the ability to tell your money what to do. Is it out there cloning itself by being invested and making more of its little green friends? Is it out there graciously being donated to Amazon to cure that dopamine hit you needed? Or is it going to things that actually bring you joy? And yes, technically you can order something on Amazon that brings you joy, but you get the idea, right? Regardless of like what Dr. Jones is driving, or what they're living in, or what society tells you is a hunk of junk and how you need to live a wealthier lifestyle in a richer place and a bigger place and have the doctor house. Learn the value of a dollar and how not to just maximize its value, but to maximize its emotional value on what it can do to make you happier, right? So just spend where it makes you happiest. Now, absolutely My favorite quote out of any piece of Star Wars is this next one. Do or do not. There is no try. What a fantastic quote. I mean, Yoda's got thousands of quotes, I feel like, in the series, right? But as Luke tells Yoda, he's not going to try and he's just going to try and raise his ship. Yoda responds back. No, try not. As Luke tells Yoda he's going to try and raise his ship, Yoda responds back right away with that epic quote. And it's either you're going to do it or you're not. Don't keep saying you're going to do it someday. Someday might never come. And to be honest, I catch myself all the time doing this with like, yeah, I'll try to do that. And then I stop and I say, actually, I can't do that because of this reason or yes, I will do it. 
I'll try is just a terrible phrase that should be deleted from all of our vocabulary, including my own. So don't let the fear of the unknown stop you from achieving that ideal life. Don't just say, I'll try to just blow it off, push it off, and I'll do it a different time. A lot of times we're hiding behind what we're saying, right? I'll try. Because when we try to make X, Y, Z work, we know deep down that we won't actually do it. And I'll try is just our way of kind of pushing it off. And this is one of the things I've always had issues with, those New Year's resolutions, where it's like, I'm going to do all these great things and you kind of build into the hype instead of actually doing real goal planning. Because then once it starts to get hard, and that's why like the gyms are empty, like after the third week, it's like, well, I'll try to get there, but I'll try to do this, but it's always that I'll do something and then, but here's the reason why I'm not doing it. Instead, just say, I'm not going to do it or own up to it and say, I'll do it. And while finances might not be your thing that you will try to get into, right? Mine is actually working out. I try, quote unquote, to make time for it, but I always find something that I need to be doing instead. Now, the kids are crazy during the time that I actually planned on working out. Oh, well, I'll just put it off or, or work or even this podcast. Instead of during my, my try time, I realize or rationalize, as you say, by saying, oh, I need to do XYZ show or, or the blog post or, or client work or something for our financial fellowship. And I need to stop, quote unquote, trying and start doing. Now, some of you have joined me on the Peloton. And again, I'm trying to be more active, quote unquote. So I'm smiling as I say that. And there's been some people in our community have kind of kicked my butt in a gear. They message me on there and they, they say, get going. Like, let's see you, you get moving. And that's actually worked for me. So if you're on Peloton, my name is at Physician Wealth. We have the hashtag FR for our community. So we're, we're adding people into there. If you're in our Facebook community, there's a link to it. If you're not there, come join us. All right. I'm, I'm giving off a couple things, but financialresidency.com slash community. Either way, like let's rally around and start helping each other because I need to stop trying and I need to start doing. And that's exactly what you guys should be doing with your finances. Stop trying and start doing. So on that note, if you actually want to start taking control over your finances and put a plan together that would allow you to achieve your goals and your ideal life, like reach out to us at physicianwealthservices.com. Like we work with physicians nationwide or fiduciaries, we're fee only, meaning we're not going to sell you crap products. We're offering true high quality advice at a reasonable price. It's a fixed flat fee to work with us. You're not going to find any percentages of your investments or assets under management. Heck, you don't even have to have investments to work with us. That's just one piece of financial planning. So come hang out with us, book a call at physicianwealthservices.com. All right. So my next fun quote is this next one with Yoda talking to Luke. Control, control, you must control. Exactly. Control, control, you must learn control. Learn what you can control and what you can't. You can't control the economy. You can't control the returns that the stock market is giving us and you're in the returns in your portfolios, but you can control your spending. You can control the investments that make up your portfolio. And I think most importantly, you can control your savings rate. Early in your career, savings rate is the most important thing that you need to be focusing on. It's not investment returns. It's controlling and understanding how money is coming in and how it is going out. 
how you are assigning each dollar a job, being in control of your money, that's what you need to learn and to master. Now, you can control a few other pieces. Now, I mentioned investments in your portfolio. How much stocks? How much bonds, right? Now I'm getting into the risk tolerance part, right? Your need or let's call it capacity to take risk and your ability to take risk. Are you saving a whole bunch of money of your take-home pay? Let's say you're saving 30% of your take-home pay and you're going to hit all of your financial goals. Well, maybe your ability to take risk was super aggressive at a 90% stock, 10% bond, let's call it. But maybe your need to take risk is much lower because you're actually controlling your savings rate. You're doing the right things there. On the flip side, if you're barely saving anything and you might be a more balanced investor where you're half stock, half bonds, let's call it. And in order to hit your goals, you have to take more risk. Well, maybe your ability to take risk isn't that high, but your need to take risk is much, much higher because you're not controlling your savings. You're not assigning your dollars correctly. Now you can also control the fees that you pay, right? You can control how much you're going to pay an advisor to manage money. You can control what those investments are in. That which is the expense ratio. You can control lots of different pieces that you have with respects to your portfolios and other pieces in your finances, the credit card fees you pay or the annual fees you're paying, the bank fees and overdraft fees or wire fees, check fees. There's all sorts of fees that go into it. But if you do a little bit of research and go, huh, maybe if I wasn't paying Wells Fargo, a whole bunch of fees to hold a couple accounts. And I went over to Ally where everything's completely free. Is that going to make or break anything? No, but it'll help. And it's making you more in tune with your money. You're more in control with your money. Now, one quote I immediately am kind of thinking about is, is Yoda that's trying to tell Luke, you know, asking Luke, you know, why do you want to become a Jedi, right? Make sure you're coming a Jedi for the right reasons. Adventure. Did I craves not these things? I think that's a fantastic thing to relate it into investing. Your investments should be boring. They're not adventurous. They're not exciting, right? And so as I'm talking about your need and your ability to take risk, I'm also referencing here that your investments should almost be like watching paint dry. And I'm referencing really passive investing, index investing, low cost, highly diversified index funds, right? Owning the market, not trying to get the latest hot tip or stock or some crap that someone's hawking, right? It All of a sudden, it was very strange. As the market started to correct in March and obviously with the pandemic, we've done lots of shows on, on the markets and things. I'm not going to get too much into that. But what was interesting or fascinating to see is most people, even in our groups, not as much in ours, but in other groups where there's some physicians in them, it turned into, hey, this looks undervalued. What in the oil and gas sector should I buy? Is XYZ stock worth buying now? All of a sudden, this boring investing went through the window and everyone started to get excited that there might be quote unquote deals out there and don't fall into that hype. Don't jump in and say, well, it's oil is so cheap. It's got to go up. It's going to go up in our lifetime. There's only a limited quantity of this stuff. Remember peak oil years back, right? And you're like, I got to buy into this. Like, Don't fall to that hype. Your investments should be boring. 
You shouldn't be craving excitement and adventure, trying to figure out what will come out ahead in this pandemic. What's the winner? You're going to pick the winner by just owning everything, not trying to, to pick what stock or what company is going to do. Don't lose by picking stocks, right? And immediately I'm, I'm also coming to another fun quote that um, is actually in The Phantom Menace when Watsu ultimately loses his bet and he complains that he was tricked. And Qui-Gon responds with a killer quote. Whenever you gamble, my friend, eventually you lose. You know, whenever you gamble, my friend, eventually you lose. So don't lose by picking stocks as your investment strategy. That's speculation. It's not investing. Real investing, highly diversified, low-cost index funds. It's time in the market, not timing the market, right? Invest regularly, invest often. Don't invest more because the markets are down or up. Don't chase returns, dollar cost average in, and get the time in the market, not time in the market. And we've talked a little bit about investment policy statements, but this, you know, when there's lots of volatility, this is the time to stick to your investment policy statement. And if you haven't created one, you really, really need to. It's really, really important. So enough Star Wars nerding out for you guys. I want to keep it to like 20 minutes so you guys don't get super bored. And I appreciate you guys sticking around with me and my weird sense of humor. But we're going to be transitioning over to a new fun segment I'm going to throw off on our May the 4th show called Financial Malpractice, where I take a clip or a blog or something off the interwebs, and I'm going to discuss it with a fun guest. So let's see who our guest is and who committed some financial malpractice. All right, as we transition over to the financial malpractice segment, I am fortunate enough to have the amazing Nana Corsa from mdworklifebalance.com here. Nana, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Yeah, this is going to be super fun. So we are going to be dissecting a video from the big man himself, Dave Ramsey. And I know you're a Dave Ramsey fan, so this will be a little shocking maybe for you as we go through it. But for those that don't end up watching the clip, I'll give you a little bit of background. So a physician named Roderick from Pittsburgh calls in and asks for advice on his and his spouse's $670,000 debt load. He's a family medicine resident married to a psychiatry resident. And he says, hey, our household income is $108,000. We're going to graduate shortly and we're going to make about $400,000 household income. And Dave basically questions his ability to not only make money in terms of his income, but says quite a few things that don't really make sense. He calls it a mess. He, he says essentially that you need to live like your college students until this is gone. I don't care what your income is. To quote Dave, he said, live on nothing and then pay everything above nothing towards this disaster. And goes on to say, if you're making more than 400000 a year, you will not need an emergency fund. And then follows it up with, at the very end, eek, don't want you operating on me, even though they are family med and a psychiatrist. So, Nana, what are your initial thoughts on this amazing clip from Dave Ramsey? My initial thought was, I, I love Dave, and I love what he does. However, he's coming from a whole perspective that doesn't fully understand this position that called in. For a lot of us, we don't have college funds. And, and so 
if you want to be a physician, then sometimes you have to take the student loans. Now, their debt is pretty high, though. Six, seventy is high, but for the average physician, I think two fifty k is what the average student loan is. It's not too far off. And regarding it being a disaster, it depends on how you choose to look at it. I used to look at debt as as a disaster too, but in the end, it caused me more stress than joy. So I. Although I love Dave dearly, I have decided to do things a little bit differently. Instead of just having a hate relationship with debt, I actually have a love relationship with it and say, hey, you know, it is what it is. Sometimes it's a necessary evil. If you want to become a physician, not everybody can afford that kind of money for their tuition. And if you have it, it doesn't have to be a disaster. All you need to do is to have a plan and take care of it. No need to panic. Panic creates stress, anxiety, and depression about debt. Instead, have a plan and pay it off. And also, like I used to be of that same school of thought, but I've I've learned a lot since then. And so, is it approaching it that way? A lot of people in the early retirement community found out that after they retired early. One thing they wish they did was actually live life instead of being obsessed with debt. And so, and I've paid up my student loan debt too. And I think looking back, I wish I had enjoyed life a little bit more. So I'll say, if you have that kind of debt, it's not a disaster. No need to hit the panic button. <laughs> Be rational about it. And also learn to live your life while you pay off the debt. We only have one life to live. So have a plan. Like Ryan teaches, have a plan that addresses all areas of your life. There is no need to be panicked and just get so gun-holed that you don't enjoy your life. Instead, have a plan to pay off the debt and also enjoy your life. And you can have such a thing as a fund fund or whatever you need to be so you can spend without guilt and still pay off your debt. So regarding the incomeability of the physician who called in and his wife, yeah, you could make 200 as a, a family practice doc. A lot of family practice docs these days are hospitalized, and that is a, the ballpark of what people make. So there's hope if you're a family practice doc and you listen to this, don't you worry, you can make 200K if that's what you want. That dream job, it's out there, and that dream income is out there. You just have to go find it. And another thing that I thought differently about was, let's see here, live on nothing till you, you pay it off. You don't have to live on nothing. I've been there, done that. By doing that, you're going to rebel and eventually <laughs> end up overspending again. So be pragmatic about it and like it's have fun. So you don't end up rebelling and doing something crazy when it comes to your finances. So in conclusion, I love Dave Ramsey. I like to pay off debt. However, <laughs> it doesn't have to be a, a hate relationship. <laughs> you can have a much different relationship with money and have a life design, financial design that will work for you that doesn't cause panic and cause you to um, take jobs that are way below what you could earn and just go for it. So that's what I have to share on that. Yeah, I, I love it. And the part that I'll add into this is, you know, he totally ignored 
potentially public service loan forgiveness for either spouse. And so that is an option. It's not going away. So if you are in PSLF, this doesn't mean that, you know, oh, this is going away. You need to refinance. None of that. But if let's say they are going into private practice for sure. And I look at student debt as a business loan right? The business just happens to be in your head. And I think businesses, you know, a profitable business and then, you know, should have a great valuation is probably around like two and a half to maybe four and a half times its forward earnings or projected earnings. And so as we look at, let's take Roderick for an example and just cut it in half. He's going to make 200 and out of that 670,000, 335,000 um, is his allocated debt. If we valued his income at now we take his take-home pay, I should say. So let's call it one hundred twenty thousand, uh, you know, for for the year. It would be perfectly normal to pay between three hundred and four hundred or five hundred thousand for that income potential. And so I don't think this is a mess. I think it's in a normal, healthy range of what you would pay for a business. And if I look at just all of our clients across the board with hundreds of physicians, the average is two hundred ninety-eight thousand dollars. So just under 300,000. So it's well within the normal range. And I don't think that this is a panic situation. I think you definitely need to have a plan. But I think the information, first, he was kind of rude in this where he was, he was just making it. Maybe it's the theatrics of his show and all that. But this is someone's life. And that, that rubs me the wrong way anyway when you make this a big show. But you need an emergency fund. I don't care if you make a million dollars a year. You need some cash in reserve. So you can't live on nothing and then pay everything else. That's a horrible lifestyle to have. But you also need to have an emergency fund. It doesn't mean it has to be fully built while you're going through this debt pay down and transition. But you need something because if you don't have it, something happens, you're going to put on a credit card and that's 20% plus interest. So Dave, thanks for the clip to destroy and walk into. This is definitely a case for financial malpractice if you were to take what Dave said as the gospel. Uh, Nana, thank you so much for being on the show. They can find you at mdworklifebalance.com. Yes. And I appreciate you being here. Thanks for having me. This has been a lot of fun. All right. Well, as you can tell, I had some fun with this segment and I'm not sure if I'll do it again or not. You know, hit me up via email, you know, ryan at financialresidency.com. If you liked this segment or you didn't like this segment, I'm always trying fun stuff here to get you guys distracted when you're learning about money and what to do and what not to do. Now, before we end, let's make sure we touch on our really important disclaimer. Like, I appreciate all of you being here and wanting to deep dive into learning personal finance. And I wish I could give you advice on the show, but I can't. So please treat this as informational, as entertainment, not financial planning advice. I don't know anything about you or your, what your financial needs are unless you're already a client and that's a completely different story. So contact your attorney, your CPA, reach out to us, fee-only financial planners at physicianwealthservices.com before taking any action or making decisions affecting your hard-earned money. Hopefully you guys like the show. I have a lot of fun making the Financial Residency Podcast. So love for you guys to call in, leave voicemails with questions, emails that I can answer on the show. We've got lots of cool content coming up. I will see you guys on Friday with Casey doing another financial health assessment and may the force be with you.